Hello and welcome. My name is Tim. I'm Dante, and I just slapped my microphone. <laughs> and I'm Murphy Durfee and I slept nothing. And this is Go Mode, a link to the past randomizer podcast. It's a podcast that slaps. That is so, very true. Yeah, it's got that going for it. That kind of fits the theme, I guess. Um, it is an edited podcast, contrary to popular for belief for how it may seem. For once. <laughs> sometimes. So we tried the unedited thing and uh, it was mostly a success. But uh, for those of you who listen to the podcast the day it comes out or even the day after it comes out, you had a maybe sort of a unique kind of listening experience when you checked out the last episode. So I I don't know exactly how it happened, but somehow Dante's audio was like compressed. I I got the boots mid mid like (laughs) (laughs) mid episode. It was great. Yeah. 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 So somehow the audio, his, he, he was speed running the episode and and got to the end faster than we did. I was so ready to be done, apparently. (laughs) So something I I absolutely would have caught if I had gone through and edited the episode in a normal fashion was totally missed. And there was, I guess, I I understand just like kind of weird, awkward silences where Dante would answer a question way before he was asked it, um, that sort of thing. Um, not exactly unlistenable, but certainly suboptimal. So uh, once I got back from my conference last week, uh, Friday morning, I did a quick, uh, it was a very easy fix. Just, you know, move the audio over a little bit and re-upload it. And now if you go back and listen to it, it all sounds correct. But I do think it's pretty ironic that like all of the, you know, like the tweet that I did about it and the episode description and the intro to that episode are all like one take, it's totally live. And then I explicitly had to go back and add a mention that was like, no, this episode has been re-uploaded and re-edited because it was wrong the first time. So that exists, but it's Perfect. okay because we fixed it. Yep. It's all good. Um, and you know what I always say? There's no use dwelling in the past. You, you can't you can't change it. You got to focus on the present so that you can change the future. And what is in our present right now is a link to the past randomizer news. So let's let's focus on that. I think that's healthier for us overall. Uh, so the first thing that we want to cover is uh, something that you have probably checked out. This uh, came out on Sunday, March 27th, uh, in preparation for April Fool's Day. And this was another version of the April Fool's Day festive. Uh, from what I understand, quite similar to the one from last year, but there are some added tweaks. I did not get a chance to check this one out, unfortunately, but a uh, good thing is that both of my co-hosts did. Dante, I understand you checked out, like, most of a seed and Herf, you actually played an entire one, yeah. uh, which is pretty dang cool. So tell us, uh, you know, since you've played a full one of these festive 2022 uh, April full seeds, what did you think? Um, uh, <laughs> where, where to start? It was uh, an experience, I guess. So I, I did. I never played the one from last year, so I'm not exactly 100 percent sure what all carried over and what was new i think uh one of the new things was the random velocity or the changes to the velocity which uh is i love that by the way yeah it's great but it's a little hard to explain so your velocity is obviously the speed at which you walk or do things but not only yours but also for a lot of other things among them um your fire rod shots 
and uh, pretty much anything else that might have a velocity of some sort. I think the bow works normally and the hookshot does too, but the, the fire rod and the ice rod fire kind of weirdly. And uh, it does a whole lot of weird stuff. What happened in my seed was uh, if you walked in the cardinal directions, you walked a little bit faster than normal. But if you walked diagonally, you walked really fast. And if you <laughs> held your sword out, you walked extremely slowly unless you also walked diagonally and then you walked even faster. Oh, wow. Uh, I think it was like spin speed or probably even faster than spin speed. So it was kind of like a weird you know you're like a dangerous crab or yeah something. it was like a weird struggle <laughs> to like holding your sword out was faster if you were able to walk diagonally but as soon as you like walked into a door transition so to speak and walked into the little like you know the door uh you were forced to walk into a cardinal direction and with your sword out you walk at like one pixel every three seconds or something super slow like that. that's funny so it takes forever to get through the door unless you let go of the spin and then of course your spin takes a little bit of time so i'm sure someone out there can do the complicated math to figure out if it's actually faster to walk out with your sword out if you know you add the spin at the end and all that but <laughs> That's just part of it. Uh, other stuff, just to go over it sort of quickly, um, floors are changed in dungeons. So sometimes there will be random spikes or random conveyor belts or like Ooh. shallow water. Um, the dungeons themselves have some slight or not so slight changes. Um, more often than not in how you get to the boss or the dungeon items. Um it was mostly fine, except for Ice Palace, which completely eluded me. I shortly quit the seat that I was playing today because I just could not find Cold Stair. Apparently, I'm an idiot. Uh, Cynic <laughs> ended up spoiling it for me. Uh, I probably wouldn't have tried that myself. I thought about it, but that was like my third time mirroring out and going back through Ice Palace. And I was like, nah, I'm, I think I'm good on that. But I ended up finishing it. It was fun. Uh, it was appropriately trolly for an April 1st, uh, April Fool's hack, I guess. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's funny annoying and there's annoying annoying. And this one definitely <laughs> erred on the annoying annoying side. Yeah, I can understand that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's my yeah. review of that. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of like true full randomization. Like I always get excited. Like the more things that get randomized, the more it's like, ah, yes, that's fun. Mm -hmm. But that I already know from experience and you're illustrating now that's not the case. A, a, tr a fully randomized experience is not that fun. It, you need a little bit of guide or a little bit of like constant to yes. make the what you do randomized yeah. fun. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you this without trying to spoil too much. Uh, the Ganon fight, I dropped intentionally and left to get the silvers out of a pendant desert palace because it wasn't possible for me to do silverless. Uh, the upper left quadrant of the ar arena was... Uh, um, conveyor belts that kept moving me around. <laughs> Ganon wouldn't teleport over the whole arena. He would do like random teleports of random distance and speed. So I kept walking into him and then the conveyor belts moved me out of the way. It, it was just, it was a nightmare to finish the Ganon fight. Damn. <laughs> that's that's absolutely savage. Well, I want to try to get one in, but I also know with this being, you know, qualify, qualifier season, 
I'm already going to be trying to get, you know, two seeds a week in, um, you know, on top of all the normal like work and family and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll get to try this one, especially with this sort of endorsement. Uh, but I absolutely <laughs> appreciate, you know, that it exists. I love that the festive is not just necessarily spooky and Christmas anymore, like it has been a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the, the idea of, you know, finding other holidays and other excuses to randomize it. And speaking of that real quick, I did want to say I loved the the uh, uh, the way that this one was announced. If if you haven't read the announcement in the main ALTTPR Discord that Synac put out that um, that introduces this new festive, I highly recommend reading it. It's actually two announcements in a row, uh, but it's very funny and I, and I love that kind of stuff. So I wanted to say shout outs to Synac and stuff. the dev I mean, team for being creative with uh, with the rollout there. Stuff. That's I mean that's a very real thing that we need to hope they get resolved <laughs> you know i mean yeah i'll definitely they it's something that needs to be resolved asap uh hopefully they they're you know able to figure all that out but um good for us you know yeah i quickly want to mention um, before we move on uh it's worth mm-hmm. also checking out the ladder announcement yes. for an april first thing that might or might not happen you know mm. not revealing anything but check the announcements Okay, a little teaser there. Nice. All right, so not much to say on this, but I did want to officially, uh, you know, put out the notification, I guess, as it were, on this show that main qualifiers have started. First one was on Sunday, the 27th at noon. Um, And again, not much to say other than, you know, uh, if you haven't participated in one and you want to try to qualify, you, you know, definitely encourage you to take a look at their calendar, which we'll link in the description and uh, make sure that you can do at least five of them. Uh, And uh, yeah, get your qualifiers in. Uh, the feature for today's episode is very much related to, uh, I think, a lot of the trials and tribulations a lot of people will be going through with a, uh, a, a green male Ganon at the end of every single seed. So I uh, hope the feature helps you out there. And um, yeah, good luck to everyone as you're taking on the qualifiers. Uh, and, you know, we can't have a main tournament in this community without it also being mirrored by its little cousin, going to say little cousin, uh, the challenge cup, uh, which is put on by Ridley dragon and his team who we've had on the show before. Uh, but the challenge cup has officially announced that they will be returning as a reminder. This is a tournament for folks who don't qualify for the main tournament. They also added, uh, I think this is added. Maybe it was added last year. If so, I apologize, but, um, kind of a new rule saying that if you have made qualifiers in the past, you have to complete at least four, main tourney qualifiers and of course not make the main tournament to get it in. So I think the idea was, you know, you can not do the main tournament and still do the challenge cup if you're new, but if you're more established, that could be seen as like, Oh, I just wanted to go into the challenge cup and clean up. Um, and this rule I think is kind of a a measure to hopefully kind of prevent that sort of thing. Sandbagging, you know, we've called it before. Um, but yeah, challenge cups coming back. I'm sure I'll probably (laughs) see a lot of you there if I had to guess. Um, but you know, it's, it's too early to say, and I shouldn't be negative. Um, but Either way, I'm just glad there's a, a way to compete if you don't make the main tournament. Um, so, you know, the the fun can continue for all of us. So uh, be sure to check that one out. Any thoughts on uh, main tournament or challenge cup since I just kind of steamrolled through that? I I mean, the first I got all I'm going to say is without too much spoiler, uh, the first qualifier on Sunday, the day we recorded was pretty hilarious. So uh, um, good luck, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Uh, so we also had, I just wanted to real quick jump into the, or touch on the AD keys tournament that has been ongoing. We're kind of in our top eight ish right now. So I'll read out those names. Um, we have Gamma Chu, Schulzer, Vextifer, 2C, uh, Humbug, and uh, Vortex of Doom. Actually, we have a top six kind of right now. Oh, uh, oh, oh, and Salty Fry. Sorry, it's a seven right now. Um, we had one person advance uh, past the top eight. Um, that was Humbug to beat out Homemade Beer. Wait, um, are we reading so, yeah, that correct? I, or is the bracket no, just so, not yeah. up to date? The bracket is not up to date. So Vortex of Doom has moved on uh, and will face Salty Fry. Okay. The winner of that game will play Humbug. And then we have the first four that I said. So gotcha. kind of confusing. Right. We'll put the challenge in the description. Um, and of course, we'll let you know as as that uh, tournament gets closer to the end. Yeah, sorry. I, I was like, is Tim blind or am I stupid? Uh, I, uh, it's, uh, number it, of one, course, I, it's dainty <laughs> stupid. That That is actually what it was. No, no, no. Uh, number one, I did it in a weird way. Number two, I did make a mistake. I, I forgot to say humbug the first time. So that was that was also on me. But we got it all figured out. All right. GMP community updates. So I wanted to tell a, a fun, quick story about um, randoguide.com. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you've ever Googled like a random ALTTPR phrase, um, you might have gotten a result from randoguide.com. It's a website I made a bajillion years ago to try to define a lot of these phrases. Well, I got an email this morning saying, because uh, I have them all hooked up to like Google Search Console and Google Analytics and all that, just because I'm a digital marketing person and just kind of did it by default. So I got an email from Google Search Console this morning that was like, hey, uh, one of your pages has seen an increase in traffic. So I'm like, oh, what's that all about? So I go and look at it and the increase is to the page talking about torch glitch. And I am 99% sure that the reason for this is Griffin McElroy's trial by Fieri YouTube series that he's doing. He just got to Ganon in his playthrough and uh, shout out to Ben Creighton in our community, left a YouTube comment letting him know um, he apparently uh, accidentally picked a hard mode for his seed. So there's no silvers to be found anywhere. And he's doing a one hit KO. So he has set himself up for an extremely hard Ganon fight. And the only way he was ever going to have a chance was, was if he did the torch glitch. And I think Ben realized that and left that YouTube comment. And I know that Griffin actually read that and has been doing the torch glitch so that he can try to finally beat this series. Uh, but I just thought it was so funny that, um, you know, the thinking backwards through all of this realized that because of that, way more people are Googling the phrase torch glitch and then ending up on our my like rando guide website that, you know, describes how to do it that I wrote literally like four years ago. So I just thought that was kind of a funny, you know, uh, rando community um, coincidence kind of thing, I guess, if you want to even call it. Yeah, that. I don't know. So I thought our, our, our old sins come back to haunt us. <laughs> yeah, it really exactly. is yeah because uh, it reminded me that it exists yeah you know? let's see if uh if my favorite thing about this website still exists um it does oh my god tim oh yeah uh, so appar would, yeah. apparently um a nickname for the hookshot presumably named because the hot dog sprite looks like uh a little bit like a metal hot dog uh calling metal it the metal hot dog i never <laughs> ever heard that phrase until I saw it on this website. So yeah. congratulations. I kind of think you might have coined that term unless you I, heard no, it from I somewhere. Saw, 
Yeah, one commentator called it that one time, and I was like, "That's a thing everyone." <laughs> oh does man, that's uh, sorry, it. I'm bringing this up. That's like one commentator said, "Pound pound town for hammer pegs," <laughs> and suddenly that became a thing too. Unfortunately, but yeah. um, shout out to Chelsea Lynn. Yeah, but like <laughs> that that just proves you you can't take yeah. things what comment or you can't take what commentators say seriously half the time, which is kind of bad and kind of good. That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, cool. Okay. So we have biweekly seeds. The last one for episode 95, that was open qual settings. I absolutely biffed it on Ganon. It was kind of the inspiration for even doing this feature. Honestly, was how bad of a Ganon I had in that, um, biweekly seed, but overall it wasn't that bad. Um, just kind of, uh, you know, uh, there was something really bad at the end of it. I want to say it was like trying to find boots was really hard. Uh, but other than that, it was it was a pretty nice seed for the for the most part. Just like really need realized I needed to work on my Ganon, and then for ninety six, I think we should do we should do another one because we're in the season for it. Let's just do another open hard. Give show, give folks another shot at it. All right, works for me. Yeah, cool. Okay, so real quick, I just wanted to set up the uh, interview we're going to do with Sailor Nep. Um, she's absolutely perfect to be doing this interview because she helped us with some Ganon stuff before and i wanted to address the fact that we're doing a ganon episode in the first place which i think is kind of funny because uh i don't remember how long ago it was we've talked about ganon before we did talk about ganon when we did our ganon's tower part two episode a million years like you know like episode 20 or something like that and then of course we had arian to talk about bosses and airy covered ganon um you know when when he was on this i would say is kind of airy covered like the top strats uh, we and then when we did it, you know, with me and Axe and her, you know, way a long time ago, we covered kind of the basics. And I think when Nep came on, she really hit like the in between there of like the temper sword strats, uh, you know, the tempered sword strats, uh, and like you know, kind of the middle equipment. So I think it's going to be really helpful for folks who are you know playing the open qualifier and dealing with Ganon with green mail and all that. So, um, and also we also we we said we would never do a full episode on just Ganon, and that if we did, it's because we're running out of episode topics. And I just wanted to acknowledge that we are now doing a full episode on Ganon and and read into that whatever you would like. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man. So, whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go. All right. And coming up next here, we have a special guest for you guys today. Uh, two-time ladder champion and league champion as well. Uh, everyone, welcome Sailor Nip. Nip, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, hey, thank, well, thank you for being here. Uh, we uh, we appreciate you taking the time to, to join us. Um, so uh, to talk about Ganon and stuff, you know, the, the biggest, baddest boss in the game. But uh, let's let's do what we normally do. You know, get, let's get to know Nep a bit. Um, so uh, whatever you'd like to share, like tell us tell us a little bit how you got into uh, Zelda, Rando, wherever the beginning was, I guess, for you. Let's see where it all began for me. Uh, I had a friend that I would uh, visit every so often in my local area, and uh, he was sort of into uh, just trying out all sorts of random retro stuff. Uh, that's still true today. And uh, he eventually found out, I, I found out that there is a randomizer for The Legend of Zelda, and I thought it was interesting. 
but I also I'm not really a Zelda one person, so I was like, this is cool, but I wish there was something like this for a link to the past. Mm. And so eventually he told me there is. <laughs> and so I gave it a try and then I kind of kept wanting to play it and I was sort of interested in competition and so I didn't do anything about that for a while to be honest um <laughs> and not where then, I thought that was going yeah it was in spring 2018 which was I started playing this randomizer in 2017 around summer but spring 2018 was when I began competing they had that big tournament the 512 Swiss and I entered mm. it and then I sort of stuck with it from there yeah, the big Swiss. The big mistake. Uh, yeah, so uh, Nep also, uh, Nep and I are both members of the, the Something Awful Forms community, and that was kind of, I kind of owe you um, the, the fact that I got ended up getting into Discord because you started a thread about Randomizer, uh, you know, which you, I think, had linked in the general speedrunning thread, and I got into that, and that was kind of when I was starting to watch a lot on YouTube. And then you started the, you know, official essay, you know, Discord, you know, where we would all kind of get together, and that was kind of how I ended up getting into Discord and then, you know, uh, getting into other randomizer Discords and eventually starting the GMP Discord. But, um, you know, I, I have to say, you know, if it wasn't for you doing that, I think you know, who knows how things might have turned out. So I, I have to thank you for helping me to get into Rando. As, as much as I did. Well, I'm definitely glad that uh, I made the decisions I did with regards to random because it ended up being a lot of fun. And I think that this was a great community to be a part of. And I'm still a part of it. Uh, I think I mentioned at the end of uh, my last league run that I wouldn't be doing the more long form competitions anymore. And that's still true. I'm sticking to it, not entering this main tournament, uh, but still playing occasional races when I feel like it. It's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we were it's long been overdue to have you with us. And I think having you on to talk to us about Ganon is absolutely perfect because you did help us out as a host last year for our mentor tournament boots camp event where we had you on to have a live stream question answer session where you went through Ganon's tower, the, the Ganon's tower climb and then outlined Ganon uh, in, in a lot of detail there. So uh, we figured, you know, who better to come on and talk to us about Ganon than someone who's already kind of done a presentation like that for us uh, in the community. So uh, with that, uh, if you could, you know, if you have any sort of resources or anything that could help us learn how to beat Ganon, now would be a great time to go over them. Uh, sure. I would say I don't have a lot of formal resources prepared, but uh, I just know the fight because I've spent so much time practicing it. Uh, so many other runners do. Uh, but point being, um, Ganon is a complex fight. Uh, if you don't want to get good at Ganon, but you still want to be competitive, the first thing you can do is you can exclusively play Pedgall. <laughs> Just avoid the situation altogether. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's one. Can you evaluate? Do you want to commit to that? You probably don't. So you're going to have to suck it up and get good at Ganon at some point. Mm. Uh, so Ganon is honestly, in a lot of ways, the, probably the hardest point in the game, at least in terms of like vanilla everything. Uh, mm. There are so many things that can go wrong in any other part of the run but ganon's always there and ganon hits like a truck i mean yeah. everyone focuses on the contact damage when mentioning this you have like i want to say it's something like uh 
what, like eight, six, and three, I want to say, based on your mail upgrade level. And yeah. But, uh, so but even 60, then, you're yeah, probably 64 not 64 HP Sorry. of damage um, with from contact when you have the green mail. Yeah, and, and that's rough. <laughs> you, yeah. You, but even brutal. then, you're not usually walking into him much. And instead, you have his various attacks that can be problems. Um, so to start with, the first thing that happens in the Ganon fight is you're going to want to make sure that you have some sense of awareness of what you have. Obviously, if you're going through the endgame Ganon's Tower section, you know what level sword you have because you look at it every time you dash or sling. Um, but there are other considerations, like what safeties do you have? Do you have invincibility items? Do you have bottles? Do you have silvers? And even what fire items do you have? A good example for this would be I've had runs before where I'm just cruising. I don't have silvers, but I'm ready for, uh, say, a Master Sword silverless Ganon fight. And I'm like, this is going to take a while, but it's going to be fine. And then I realize somehow I don't have a bottle and I don't have the lamp. This is mm. a problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Especially so, with this, uh, yeah. So, so another another reason we wanted to talk about Ganon in this particular episode is because the twenty twenty two main tournament has just started up, and all of the qualifiers are this hybrid version of a hard mode that restricts the amount of items you can find throughout the game, and one of those is your mail. So there are a lot of people right now playing these qualifiers that are being forced to do Ganon with green mail, um, which. Uh, as as we've mentioned, it's not good to touch Ganon when, when you have green mail. It does a lot of damage. And I think a lot of people either have already found that out if they've done some qualifiers or they will find that out uh, when they do them. I think a lot of us maybe kind of take for granted that you find a mail or two in the course of normal play. Certainly those of us who are kind of more casual like I am. Uh, so we kind of wanted to prepare you in a way for these really tough Ganon fights that you're going to be going up against in these qualifiers and potentially in the tournament if you happen to qualify. Qualify uh, by you know just kind of talking about it and, and, and going over it here here today. Um, the the way that I see it, Ganon is as as Nep said. It's I think it's one of the hardest things in the game, especially from an execution standpoint. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all just uh, various patterns, right? So if you can understand the patterns and how Ganon moves and what makes him do what he does just a little bit better, you can start to not only evade the movements and evade the projectiles and things like that, but actually bait Ganon into doing the things that you want him to do so that you can defeat him faster or safer or more easily. Um, so kind of off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I just wanted to make sure we kind of did a little bit of level setting before we get into some of the specifics of the fight, which I know we are, we are going to be getting into here soon. I think that's important. Before I get into the specifics, one thing I want to point out is that it's important to have an honest assessment of your own skill level when it comes to the Ganon fight. Uh, chances are you're not going to learn too much from what we're about to talk about if you're already a top-tier runner. You might find it interesting to hear about it, maybe catch something. But uh, for the most part, you know, if you're already up there, then you're confident enough fighting Ganon that whatever's going to happen, you're going to be okay. Um, <laughs> But regardless, chances are, unless you are the very topmost runner, you can always find ways to improve your Ganon fight. Even I know there are things that I could work on if I were so inclined, uh, which we'll get into a little later. Uh, but as long as you know what your level is, you can start to focus on things to improve on. Uh, 
the first thing is to give yourself an honest assessment, and that's, do I have the discretion to know what is the fastest strat in a given situation? And if so, can I rely on myself at this time to make that strat work? If not, then you need to accept that and for the time being, choose a slower strat. A good example would be uh, coming up in phase two, but first we'll discuss phase one. So phase one with Ganon, honestly starts the moment the lights come on. You're going to drop into the room, and the second you hit the ground, the lights come on, and you need to get up, and then it depends on what your equipment is. Hmm. Uh, if you have gold sword, you're just going to do six swings. It's going to be pretty easy, even if you only get five in before the first teleport. Before he starts to act again, you're going to be able to get over to where he teleports, and once you get six hits, that'll activate phase two. So gold sword, easy. Uh, with the Tempered Sword, as soon as the lights come on, you need to get that first hit in, and then you get your second hit, ideally, before the text comes up. If that doesn't work out, uh, there are... While you're mashing through the text, there's sort of this moment where you can assess your position. If you didn't swing the sword at all, you need to be ready and just kind of mashing B as the text goes away. That will enable you to get a third swing in. You immediately move up, get a third, uh, turn sideways for a spin, and then get into position near his right side. Uh, because that way you will clink off of the... Uh, trident as he throws it for the first time and ideally you'll get two spins uh, so as long as you get three and two spins you'll be set up to end phase one without an extra cycle mm. nice. um, if that uh, now, now, go, how, how difficult is that timing because i don't think i've ever gotten two swings on ganon before the text box i can pretty comfortably get one but i don't think i've ever got two before uh, so the second swing won't hit before the text comes, but you can get the second swing out. The sword if, is out, and then the text starts, and then the text ends, and then you swing with the sword. Uh, yeah, now there's something uh, you're going to be needing to make sure during the text that you're in appropriate distance if you have the sword out. Uh, if the sword swing gets out, you're going to kind of have to feel this out from experience, but there's a certain line, and if Link's shadow isn't above that line, uh, then you might just be about to miss with your sword swing. And if that happens, then you're not going to bounce back like you're expecting to, and if you're not paying attention, you're going to walk into Ganon. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, As we've it, established, not a good move. Yeah, you still want that sword swing because it makes the timing less tight on the second half of the things you have to do there. Uh, but otherwise, it'll be okay. Um, you might goof it up a couple times. In fact, I'd say it's inevitable. But once you do, you kind of learn, okay, how can I avoid this in the future? And then it's okay. Um, so from there... Uh, Phase one, if you don't get it with no cycles, he's going to start throwing his torch. Uh, I want to say torch. <laughs> <laughs> I should be saying trident because that's yeah. what it actually is. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, so it didn't even sound weird trident. to me. I was just like, yeah, he's going to throw the torch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. He just picks up the torch, chucks it at you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with this situation. As long as it stays lit, I'll take it. I fall yes. to the cannon fight. It's a Chuckier from Super Mario Sunshine. It'd be funny. <laughs> Finally, the revenge for all the torch glitches. He just starts tossing torches at you in return. Absolutely. Um, but 
So uh, yeah, you don't get the uh, the quick cycle, as it were. So so then then what what should we do? Uh, yeah, you're still gonna want to keep getting your hits in. Uh, with tempered, you're going to need twelve hits. Remember that every spin hit you can get counts for two, so you just got to keep that count, and then uh, you'll be good to go. But with regards to the trident throwing, it's important to keep in mind that the first trident throw, uh, it's going to go after you, and then it'll move back towards where Ganon's teleporting eventually. Um, but it's important to note that the trident is always going to go towards you based on where you are at the moment it's thrown. Uh, so usually horizontal or diagonal movement can make this safe. You just got to make sure you don't get smacked by it on the way back. Hmm. Would you say it's generally better to be moving than to be standing still in this phase and or all of the phases? I would say the most important thing uh, with regards to the phase one trident, if you're dealing with it, uh, which if you're on Master Sword, you definitely will be a little bit. Um, the biggest factor is to make sure that you know when these big moments are going to happen and then adjust your movement accordingly mm. rather than try to be constantly moving or find a spot where it's safe to be still. That way you can always adjust on the fly and sort of figure out as you go along where you can afford to be greedy. Mm. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, so phase one doesn't really have anything else to it other than that. Uh, phase two is definitely the most difficult phase in my opinion, but there mm. are different ways to approach it. Uh, starting with uh, talk about the tempered strats. Um, essentially, if you get everything to ideal and you got the zero cycle on phase one, then he's going to be at the bottom in one of four positions, depending on where he teleports. Uh, from left to right, we'll call these positions one, two, three, and four. If his okay. position is one or four, then you're going to get below him and do your tempered slashes to make sure that you get the count that I've been talking about up to 12. Uh, uh, at that point, he'll start phase two, and you can actually just kind of stand below him. You'll want to make sure that you're not over too far to the left if at one, or too far to the right if at four, uh, so that you don't get hit by the little fire bats as they're spawning in. Um, but that way, you'll be able to just get this consistent rhythm and get 12 slashed safely. Uh, point thing is he is going to have the circle expand and then contract back in. There's a specific moment this happens, and to avoid this, you can use an invincibility item, but you can also just use the hookshot invulnerability. Um, and as for the timing, if you start your first sword swing as the phase begins then around seven or eight if you just turn left and or right depending uh you mm -hmm. want the longer distance fire your hook shot uh and then you can get in two slashes and then fire the hook shot again both the expansion and the contraction will miss you and you can get in your remaining two to three slashes before the birds start to fly at you by the way, mm. I call them birds a lot. They look like birds <laughs> to me, even though they're bats. <laughs> it's kind of easier that way, right? Because there's already a lot, there's several other bats in the game. So calling these birds almost just like there's there's no, uh, well, I guess there are other birds in the game too. So maybe it is still <laughs> kind of confusing, but I'm down to call them birds if you are. That's fine. Yeah. So ideally, that's what will happen uh, if you 
get those cycles in your starting positions one or four. Uh, two or three, okay. you're going to want to do something a little differently and it's a bit more advanced. Uh, but what you can do is if he goes to positions two or three, you're going to get below him. You're going to charge a spin. You'll hit with the spin. The spin will hit twice, and then you will immediately turn up just a little bit, making sure not to walk into him. Swing your sword. That will put the count to 12 if you've done everything correctly up to that point. You then turn left again, charge a spin, and make sure that you're either like dead center of his hitbox or slightly uh, to the... Uh, Left, if you're at position two, and I want to say right position three. I haven't done a position three in a while, so <laughs> switch it if I'm wrong about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but in any case, that happens, and you'll charge and set off that sword spin at the moment the phase starts. That will start you with two sword spins, and that's worth four slashes. You're immediately going to from your new position if you were centered you'll move left a bit and walk up uh from two reverse it for right at three and then if you were slightly off center like you want to be you can instead just move straight up and then you'll be inside the circle as it appears if you this is a boots only strat but if you dash you can dash poke him each of those counting as a slash mm -hmm. And then before the expansion, get two, or you can do three. It shouldn't matter, but at least two of these dash pokes, making sure to uh, bail so as you don't contact damage him, which this is an important time to remind you of a property of the game. Enemies cannot contact damage you during the moment they are taking damage, so you do have a little leeway to get out of there. Mm. Uh, but essentially, once that happens, set yourself horizontally in a direction where you will not be poking him. So face left if you're at two, uh, and right if you're at three, assuming I'm not wrong about how three works. <laughs> uh, um, by the way, move. is there somewhere where we can see uh, like this one, two, three, four, like a labeled chart or anything like that so that we can kind of follow along? I would be happy to provide one that you can use as supplemental material. Okay, awesome. Like we could just host it on the website, and we'll put a link uh, to that in the description of this episode. And I would definitely encourage people to um, you know, try to follow along with this, maybe in the practice hack, um, which we can also try to link to uh, as well. But this is, I think, this is perfect to kind of, you know, uh, as you're practicing, which I think it's important to practice, and we'll surely talk more about that. You can walk through these various scenarios, and uh, this is the kind of thing where if you have tempered sword and boots and you do memorize these patterns you won't even have to think about ganon when you get to them um now there you know you might have a master sword and we'll you know we'll talk about those strats here uh, momentarily uh but just putting in 30 minutes on practicing these patterns and and having an exact choreography to them could be the difference between you know uh, a 120 and a 135 in your time just depending on how things go so um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I just wanted to make sure we had those positions kind of mapped out so people could follow along. Um, were we all the way through the the description of the kind of movements through through this uh, portion? Um, we we were not. So I'm going to okay. just reiterate. Uh, Pick make back sure. Up. Yep. Um, once you get inside the circle at the start of phase two, this is the boot strat. You do uh, two or three dash pokes, and then turn facing horizontally away from Ganon. 
and then pull out your sword, charge a spin. Once the circle expands, you're going to follow the circle down, get below him, get another double slash, and then get back in the circle before it contracts. Get uh, If you got three uh, dashes in the first part, you'll... Uh, do just one more dash, or you can do two more if you've only gotten two up to that point, at which point you will want to look out for the first bird that's going to fly at you, or bat rather. Uh, and then, strangely, it's actually easier to dodge the bats inside the circle because they all move around the circle, and since they're all flying at you at close range, you can essentially just uh, make simple vertical and horizontal movements to get out of the way. And once enough of the circle has broken, you can pretty much get away from the whole thing and get ready to start phase three. Mm. So this, I want to talk about this inner circle bat dodging because I see people do it and I've been playing this game for years and I've just, I've never tried it. It seems super hard, but is, are there, do you have any like tips that you could describe of how to avoid the bats when you're inside the circle like that? A lot of the time when you're inside the circle, you're going to see around, I want to say, the uh, four or five o'clock position bat is going to be the first to fly at you. Uh, So if you move up uh, in the right way, uh, it will usually miss you. You, Timing is important. With Ganon, the most important thing is knowing how everything is timed. Uh, Because they're all going to fly in a consistent rhythm. At the moment they launch, they commit to their line, so to speak. And it's always going to be straight at where you are when it starts. So as long as you have moved out of the way, it'll be okay. Uh, So essentially you move up and then for the next one you move down and then you can move right for the third as it's going counterclockwise around. And then by that point enough of the circle has broken that you can escape through the hole just making sure to dodge the others as they come at you. Mm. Gotcha. So you're you're really dodging the first three and then making your escape. Um, And uh, as you mentioned, the timing is the most important thing. So if you know the exact moment that they break off the circle and make a beeline for you, you really only need three quick twitches of the D-pad to avoid those first three and then, you know, get out of there. Exactly. And ideally at this point up in. Uh, up in the fight, you haven't taken any damage. So as long as you aren't one hit from death, if you're going to mess up and get hit, this is the spot where it's probably most okay. <laughs> yeah, how much damage do these little birds do? Uh, it's going to be a maximum of four on green mail. So if you have five hearts, you're golden. Okay, that's still really costly. That You get hit <laughs> by two of those, and you're if you just like dropped in with spawn health, you're dead. Again, I'm, I'm thinking about rough. all the folks doing this with green mail. Um, so yeah, uh, I, which, uh, by the way, I just wanted to mention that I think, would you agree that probably the most important thing in a Ganon fight is not taking damage? Uh, I would say it really depends on your skill level. For me, I'm not worried about whether or not I get hit as long as I don't lose time in the fight. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I think down in the lower rungs, like <laughs> kind of where I, where I hang out in skill level, I would... I would suggest thinking that way. If if you are the kind of person that does die on Ganon from time to time, like me, especially on green mail, just remember that they're taking a death on Ganon is going to take way more time 
uh, than, you know, say maybe waiting it out one more cycle to be sure that you're able to evade everything. Um, it seems to me that not taking damage is the most important thing to making sure that you finish the seed quickly uh, because the alternative is having to drop back down again and you're probably going to be more tilted and yada, yada, yada. So... Um, this is true. There are a couple things to keep in mind with regards to dying to Ganon before we move on to phase three. And that's one, as you pointed out, it's always slower to die to Ganon. Uh, things you can't control, like somehow an improbably uh, low teleport for phase three happened to be <laughs> on the second run versus a very large mm. one on the first you know you can't account for that there's no way you can know as a general it's always going to be slower to take a death there uh for phase two uh a cycle of phase two is going to take roughly 14 seconds from start to finish so mm. it's very easy to understand that a death is always going to be a big time loss there i would say there's one exception and that's if you're one hit away from death uh, dropping into the Ganon fight and you don't have any nice safeties like fairies or potions, go ahead and take a death if you feel like you can afford it. Just walk into Ganon right away and that, that way you'll get filled up to enough hearts that you have a hit you can soak. Nice. That's That sounds like a good idea. That's smart. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to throw off your groove too much. I, I, I'm going to stop myself from saying, saying too much more. Um, is there anything else on phase two that we should cover? Uh, yes, there are a couple tactics uh, that we'll talk about for Temper Strats. Master Sword uh, is an entirely different deal. Okay. Um, in fact, I'll probably need Dante to interject there when we get to that. Uh, but for Phase 3, if you have the Cape or the Burna, uh, those can be good for if something goes wrong, you know, don't hesitate, just pull them out as long as you had the magic to spare. Uh, particularly in the case of if you're waiting out more cycles for whatever reason, with the cape on, if you grab the wall and just stay there, uh, the magic won't drain and you can wait until a safer spot when you feel comfortable to get off of the wall. You're referring um, to like if you're too late to get to Ganon before a stomp ends and he sends out one of those fire bats that goes spiral outwards from him. Uh, while we're talking about phase two still, you can certainly oh, right. choose to do that with phase okay. three. Yeah. But uh, with phase two, since so much can potentially go wrong, if you get hit, if you get knocked out of the circle, uh, <laughs> yeah. as I've said, it's always going to be faster to not die. So as long as you're right. not going to lose yourself on magic, you're going to want to use your eye items. Yeah, like what yeah. Nep's saying there is like, obviously, if you've got that cape, you know, it doesn't matter which phase you're in grabbing the wall with the cape engaged. You know, you see people do that a lot in like cross keys uh, to just wait out like tile room and GT, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, that's that's like a very, you know, that that strat has actually almost cost me before because I thought I was grabbing the wall and I ended up dashing and bonking and then what used way too much magic. So it's another thing to be mindful of. But, uh, you know, if you have like Nep was saying, if you have the resources, um, you know, you might as well make use of them in that, in that case. Absolutely. Right. And there's one other thing to keep in mind is that you can't do the dash strats, uh, for phase two of Ganon. If you are in the situation where you don't have the boots, that should kind of go without <laughs> saying, but yeah. I've gone myself into the circle a couple times out of habit and been like, Oh, I'm not very smart right now. <laughs> <laughs> You'll want to consider learning Samaria strats, which are indispensable for master sword Ganon, but also can be used in that scenario. Uh, so just hold on and we'll eventually get to that. 
Sounds good. If you don't have boots and Samaria, then you're just going to have to do it the slow way outside of the circle and tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, phase three of Ganon. Once he teleports to a spot, ideally you're going to hit him before he can act. And then he will do a stomp and he will teleport around. Uh, some people have had the mistaken impression over the years, uh, generally not runners in this community, but just people who played the game, that he will do extra teleports if you slash him before he appears. This isn't true. Once the sla uh, teleportation is starting to end, you can safely slash, and that way there's a good chance you'll overlap and hit him on the first possible frame, which is ideal. Uh, so just try to do that. Make sure not to slash too early. As I said, Ganon is all timing for to a degree, so you'll get used to it. Uh, if you do happen to not uh, get the hit in in time, he's going to raise his arms, shoot out a spiraling fire bat that will leave uh, fire in specific spots. Um, the main thing to keep in mind with that is if you're worried about getting hit by it, it's okay to get hit by it to a degree. It will do two damage to you if it or any of its fires hit you. Uh, so that generally isn't too bad as long as you can spare the hit. Uh, most of the time, once you become comfortable with the Ganon fight, the only time you're going to see this is the at the beginning of Phase 3, and usually in situations where you're using the Master Sword, because mm. sometimes you're just way out of position due to how that can be. And yeah. since you have to do a spin, you're kind of slow walking up, so it might get to do that. The main thing to keep in mind is since the floor is falling away during this segment, you want to make sure that if you think you're going to get hit by one of the Firebirds and you're not going to die from the hit, just let go of the D-pad so that when the hit hits you, you don't get knockback from it because it does have a large amount of knockback. And if you fall into the hole, you're going to have to start the fight over. So you want to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is that depending on where he launches it, sometimes the Firebat will actually move off screen for a large part of its final arc, which can create the mistaken impression that it is actually gone when it isn't mm. and in that case you might get sniped by it as it comes through for just one little more mini arc on the outside uh so as long as you know your safety distance so to speak uh you can avoid that alternately as long as you avoid the flames you can stay inside the arc it never crosses over the same point again mm. yeah knowing That's the awesome. knowing the different distances uh, you know, is, is very crucial there because, you know, there's been a lot of times, you know, I, I and other players have, you know, panicked because it's like, oh, the, that fire bat's going to come back. Uh, you know, it's not despawned yet. And, you know, if you're, if you're hyped up on nerves or adrenaline at that point, um, that's where the practice comes in. Cause you, you got to put in the muscle memory and like, I guess the visual memory too, uh, in this case to kind of know where, uh, that thing is going to, uh, rough, like a rough estimate of where it's going to appear. Yeah, I think, uh, Nep, you mentioned this earlier already, but I think in general, at least for me personally, uh, the firebats are much scarier than the Ganon, him, you know, the body hits from Ganon. They mm -hmm. do a, a lot of damage if you happen to walk into him, which can always happen, or he does like a weird teleport and you don't anticipate it, something like that. Yeah. But the firebats are usually what get me. 
as far yeah. as you know taking damage goes because they're just so annoying you know either they're going around in an expanding and contracting ring and then they're shooting after you or they're swirling around and especially what Nep just mentioned you know the last arc or the last two circles it does it's off screen for like 80% of the time and you think you're safe and suddenly it comes back and hits you right in the face yeah absolutely yeah, and that's one of the things that can also be tricky about Ganon is the fact that not only are the fire bats really, for the most part, the real threat, but there are three different kinds of fire bats, <laughs> one for each of the last three phases. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, I feel that we've uh, covered a lot of good ground in how to generally deal with phases two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, but one important thing is to talk about the transition from three to four. When you get the force hidden on Ganon... Uh, and he hits the ground to collapse the fourth bit, he's going to pop up a text box uh, that you'll have to mash through, at which point phase four will begin in earnest. Uh, There's going to be a lot happening in this short span of time. First Mm -hmm. off, if you are on the Tempered Sword, uh, what you want to try to do is as soon as you confirm that you've gotten your fourth slash in on phase three, uh, you are going to want to charge a slash or spin slash and get into position and hold it once the text box comes up mash through the text box while letting go of b and that way you will ideally spin slash him as soon as that stops and one of multiple things will happen you will get a free hit which is always great because that's one of your uh 12 slashes Mm -hmm. if you're on tempered or gold uh alternately you're going to freeze him immediately, which that's not great, but you can't do anything about that. That just means he didn't teleport from where he was. uh, So you ended up hitting him immediately. Uh, That's you didn't mess anything up. It just happened. Uh, But anyway, that's, that's a good point of how to begin phase four. If you are lucky and get a free hit in and you're feeling that the position is right he's at the top of the room and you're feeling comfortable you won't miss the torch glitch you can actually get in position right away to do a spin slash uh before he uh, teleports again after he fires the bat off and get a second hit angled such that you'll be near the torch in line with it to either do a fire rod shot or a lamp shot speaking of the torch glitch (laughs) at the start of phase four Uh, the torches are going to go out as is a typical mechanic of the fight. What you want to do is make sure that as the torches go out for the first time, as soon as the first torch goes out, you instantly relight it. If this happens without the second torch going out, then the second torch will stay on for the duration of the fight. This is called the torch glitch and is one of the most important bits of tech in the Ganon fight, especially for phase four, because that will make it so you only have to light one torch. It makes your magic management easier and it makes the fight faster. Mm -hmm. Yep. So ideally you're under most situations you would want to do a torch glitch. Um, I think like, you know, if you have butter sword in um, like a normal fight, like you could maybe get away with not needing it um, with same thing if you have silvers. But for most intensive purposes, especially during these quals, you know, with the green mail and all that the safest thing to do is going to be you, you want to do the torch glitch. It's easy when you have the lamp. It's a little more difficult, requires a little bit of timing when you have the fire rod. 
Now, I will make a minor correction there. Uh, the difference between the Tempered and the Gold Sword is nothing for Phase 4, because mm -hmm. you can't do more damage than a Gold Sword hit, and a Tempered Spin uh, does the equivalent of a Gold Sword mm. hit. Yeah, good call, so, good call. Uh, those are going to be equivalent for the purpose of Phase 4. Uh, so you're definitely, if you're on spins, you're going to want to make sure you get that hit. It is okay to miss the torch glitch if you're on silvers. And in fact, sometimes you might see positionally that you want to miss it. For example, Ganon's at the top of the room about to teleport down. And if you light it early, uh, he won't be as low as he could be for you to maybe get a triple. So, you know, by missing it on purpose there, it can actually be a good thing. Uh, but uh, for most situations, you will want to get the torch glitch uh and yeah in, when it comes I just, to timing, i had this memory of uh when airy was on i was like so obviously torch glitch first right and he was like well if you're trying to go fast actually no um so i just remembered that he had said that but in most situations you you want to do torch glitch yeah and in fact i've sort of touched on that already about you're going to be trying to start the three to four transition with your free spin. And yeah. ideally yeah. before the torch glitch, you'll get a second spin in. That's the ideal. If you're still learning the fight, you don't have to worry about that too hard. Focus on making sure you get the torch glitch. Speaking of which, I'm going to tell you your different methods. Uh, if you had the lamp, that's, as Tim mentioned, it's going to be a lot easier to get. Uh, but the thing you want to keep in mind is it always happens at a specific moment. Like I said, Ganon's all timing, and this is no exception. Uh, if you were to watch the tiles on the left side of the room, maybe have a time where you're watching a video of someone else's Ganon fight, or you're just in the practice hack, and don't worry about getting the torch glitch. There's no pressure. And you just you just kind of watch the tiles and try to see what's happening with the tiles at the specific moment that the torch goes out. If you can memorize when that moment is, it's when the last tile starts falling. Uh, you'll see that torch go out, and then you'll know that's when you need to press. Uh, if you had the lamp, you can kind of wait and give yourself a little leeway and spam the lamp. Uh, as long as you're not on the tightest magic budget ever, that will be good, and that way you'll get it easy. If you're on the fire rod, there are different ways you can do this. If you're, As long as you're in a line with the torch, then you can make the shot, uh, either from above or below. What I like to do is I like to be maybe about half to three quarters of the way away from it. And then when I see the visual cue that I've learned uh, that I described a bit ago, uh, that's around when I try to fire. And that way the torch goes out and fire rod shot hits. Uh, another strat I see some people use with the fire rod is they will get right next to the torch and they will wait. And at the moment they visually see it go out, that is when they will press the button. Uh, mm. And that does work. It just, you have to make sure that your reflexes are good in that case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a quick draw. There is one unfortunate thing that can happen. It will happen to you sometimes, regardless of what strat you use, but hopefully it will be rare. <laughs> uh, and that's if you happen to press on the same frame that the torch goes out. Sorry, you missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, really? Uh, yeah, because you can't fire on the frame it goes out so. yeah it's a little uh, <laughs> unfortunate it's uh, you notice it when you play the game you know when the torch goes out and it kind of pauses for a second almost you know it's not a second obviously but there's a little pause in it mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's some form right. of lag there. And that's you'll hear a lot of if you ever hear commentators, you know, if you're new to this, like commentators in like restreams, players will say my input was eaten. Uh, so basically they're kind of referring to, they tried to hit the button there. Uh, but the game said no, uh, due to the way it functions. And, uh, you know, the input was physically there. It just, the game did not recognize it as an actual input. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that can happen. It, it is to a degree in your control and that ideally your timing will be perfect every time, but sometimes you might just happen to have the misfortune of messing that up. Uh, but that's the torch glitch covered. The next thing is to talk about the mechanics of phase four. Um, it probably is the most s- simple mechanically once you get used to it. In that Ganon is going to teleport to one of various positions throughout the room. And at which point uh, he will flicker for a moment as he fades in. Once he fades in, he'll raise his arms and fire off a bat. Uh, He will start to flicker again and then teleport again. The important thing to keep in mind is that the fire bat this time, uh, once again, like in phase two, it's going to make a direct line for you. At the moment, it is fired off. So this means that as long as you are moving, uh, I believe the word is either... You want to be either moving perpendicularly away from it or parallel to it, and provided that your distance isn't wrong, you'll be fine. Uh, but it is important to keep in mind that the bat is also going to leave a trail of fire behind it. It tends to not be a huge problem because they don't linger long, but keep in mind that they exist. Uh, so what you're going to want to do to get your damage in is either if you have silvers, you want to make sure that you hit him before he fires out the fire bat, but after he becomes solid, he will turn blue, at which point you can fire arrows into him. If you're firing into him from the side, you can usually uh, fire off additional arrows so that he will continue to take extra hits. You just need four silvers for this. Uh, Depending on where you are, there's both a timer for how long he will stay this way and it's an important rule to note that if he is knocked into the edge of the arena you will not get any more hits in this also includes into torches so for instance if you hit him from the north or south you won't be able to get multiple hits in that's why you have to do it from the side Mm. Uh, now for spins if you're not using silvers what you want to do is Wait until the fireback goes off, and while he is flickering, you'll have a sword spin charged, and you'll move into position where your sword spin will be inside his hitbox, and then you'll let it go. His teleport will go off, and during that, there's a brief frame of time during which he is vulnerable to conventional sword damage. Uh, and that's essentially how it works. Uh, so you'll mm-hmm. need to do this with tempered 24 times, master sword 24. Uh, So the thing about these spins is it's important to keep in mind that despite the animation showing sort of like a sparkle trail around you when you're doing the spin, it is actually an area of effect ability that 
hits the whole circle around you for the entire time that it goes off. So due to the length of the attack and the fact that you don't actually have to worry about a positional for it, uh, as long as you're going to overlap with the time of his teleport, you'll always get your spin hit in. So don't worry too much about the timing of that, as long as the spin is charged. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess I've never really thought about the fact that yeah, uh, you know, your sprite is holding the sword and spinning around, but it's not like you're waiting for the sword to get around to when it would hit the enemy, say, if they're on the other side of you. It's just like a circle is lit up around you the whole time, and that's your hitbox yeah. for the entire spin. Yeah, and that's why, like, the Ganon spin works. That's, that's right. interesting. There's mm. also one thing to keep in mind, and that's that every time you hit Ganon with a spin, you're going to go bouncing off in the opposite direction. So it's important to make sure that if you're in a position where uh, the opposite direction for you is going to be overlapping with one of the holes on the edge of the arena, that you avoid falling by holding in the opposite direction from the hole. Because mm -hmm. it's important to note that... Uh, while you are spinning, even while you are spinning, uh, that, that sort of thing where you won't go into a hole if you're holding away from it, still holds true. Mm -hmm. uh, a good example of this situation where it could happen is, say, uh, Ganon's in one of his south positions, and due to the position of how you dodge the fire bat, you're slightly below the center of his horizontal uh, part of his hitbox, so you end up getting somewhat of a southern bounce and going off into the hole. If you're not holding up, then you're going to fall. But if you are holding up at that time, once the bounce goes off, then you'll sort of like awkwardly walk back onto the platform and you'll be okay. As yeah. long as you know when these things are going to happen, you can avoid them. Yeah. Now, um, in talking about phase four, you've mentioned already, you know, Ganon will throw a fire bat at you. Uh, you want to avoid that and then make sure that you activate a spin before Ganon teleports away. It seems to me like the real expertise of phase four is manipulating uh, you know, getting Ganon to throw the bat where you want him to, that's out of the way, it's not going to hit you, but also not going to make you have to dodge so far away that you're not going to have time to get over to him and activate that spin. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, perfecting that timing or any uh, strategies that you have to make sure that you don't have to forfeit a cycle and not get a hit in at, at any point? I guess I think one of the best things you can do for practicing that is sort of have a session where maybe you're not in a race or maybe you're even using the practice hack and you have the luxury of something like a save state for phase four get your torch glitch up and you know don't worry about trying to actually get the spins in just accustom yourself to the sensation of when the timing for the shots is going to happen and just how much leeway you have to dodge. If you're focusing purely on dodging, once you've got that skill down, that's going to be natural for you and you can go for riskier and riskier dodges so that, that way you can get up close to him and you'll know exactly where you want to be positioned so that you're moving out of the way and then can immediately move in towards the range of Ganon and set off your spin. Speaking of the timing of the spin, you will ideally start charging your spin before he's finished his teleport. You'll get into what you find your comfortable ranges to be. You'll do the slash, start holding, and get ready to dodge. And then as soon as you've confirmed the dodge, that's when you're going to get into your position to get the spin off. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, remember, we're always having to light our torch in, in during all of this as well, um, which is made a little more difficult by not having half magic and only having one bottle. So, um, you know, as Nep has mentioned a few times, magic management is absolutely an important part of this fight. Uh, now, it seems like it's pretty easy to light the torch and then get two hits on Ganon. But occasionally you will see people maneuver to where they're able to get three. Can you talk about what needs to be done in order to consistently get three hits in between each torch lighting? Uh, yes, certainly. Uh, so essentially to get a three hit, you're going to need Ganon to be near you at the moment that you activate the torch. Uh, additionally, it's important to understand how Ganon reacts uh, to the torch going off. Essentially, uh, Ganon, if he is mid-teleport and you do the torch, he's going to immediately react to the light, and then without his usual teleport animation, he will finish his current teleport. Uh, that's kind of just a neutral thing, but it does technically lose a small amount of time in a lot of situations. Um, but you can also use that sort of as a cancel, because if he's about to, say, fade in from a finished teleport and fire out the bat, you can interrupt him that way, and he'll go to the next part of his cycle. Uh, so to get a three, ideally what you want to do is make sure that you are next to Ganon, which you can't light the torch if he's in the upper right quadrant, because... You, well, you can light the torch when he's there, but you can't be next to him and also do that. <laughs> so Physically, what you will do yeah, to get a triple timing-wise is you will wait for him to complete the teleport, and then while he's fading in, you will light the torch, and that will interrupt him so he doesn't do his fire bat. And then you have kind of a situation. You get your sword charged. And he's going to like pull out his... He's going to do his usual reaction from being interrupted. Uh, and, and then he's going to teleport. And then there's actually somewhat different timing rules than usual. Um, essentially, he's going to have... He's going to have to have finished his, like, fade-in frames. Mm. Uh, even if you interrupted those, those still exist. So if you get the torch off like as soon as he starts to fade in, you're going to have a wide window during which to hit him for that first hit. However, uh, if he has finished it or if he's about to finish it, it's going to be a tight window. Uh, this is where it gets a little tricky in that you want to kind of memorize when the moment is that he mm-hmm. is going to be vulnerable. Uh so that if you go for this, um, if you miss, then he's going to turn blue. But if you hit, then it'll be a normal silverless hit. Uh, so mm. essentially, this timing is really tight. But if you if you find yourself in a position where you get the shot off and you didn't have a lot of extra frames... Um, if you nail that hit, it's going to feel real good. Uh, <laughs> people tend to refer to this as a cape spin because he's got his cape out and you've managed to spin him just as the cape goes down. Uh, and while it's tricky to get those when he caught you out of position, it feels great when it does because then uh, in terms of torch timing, he's going to move immediately to the next part of his cycle. You'll get your extra two hits in and complete a triple. Gotcha. 
Nice. Yeah. And I mean, if you can get four of those, then that's that's a pretty quick phase four. It's the fastest you can hope for in terms of having tempered or, or not silvers, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Silverless, basically. Yeah. Right. Cool. OK. Um, was there anything else on phase four? Uh, yeah, something you want to keep in mind, Phase 4, is pay attention to where he's teleporting when you're lighting torches, because as I discussed, when he pulls out his cape due to an interruption, he becomes solid and it's instantaneous. If his hitbox is overlapping with where you're standing at the moment you light a torch, you're getting smacked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, additionally, the same firebat rules uh, with regards to damage and knockback still apply for phase four, uh, as in phase three. So if you see that you're going to get hit and you are near an edge, you're going to want to make sure that you just accept it, let go of the D-pad. It's going to do the same amount of damage. Two hearts on green mail, one otherwise. So that's a lot better than a fall. Uh, essentially, your knockback is going to come from the opposite of direction of whatever direction you are holding and that's why a lot of fire bats tend to knock you into the pit is you're trying to move away from the fire bat or away from the pit and so that hit happens and you go flying in the direction you were most not wanting to go mm. and if you don't hold any direction then what happens uh, if you aren't holding a direction, then while you will not be able to move for a moment while Link is taking the hit, you won't move at all. And so that's why if you see that the hit is inevitable, that you screwed up, just accept it. Let the hit happen as long as it's not going to kill you. Dang. You know, I don't know if I've ever gotten hit by one of those things while not holding a direction. That's wild. Another thing that you can keep in mind, if you're less experienced and... You know, the difference between losing a few seconds is a lot less bad than the experience of losing the fight. If you're not sure, if you're having a judgment moment, pause for a moment, because that'll give you a moment to calm down, consider what's happening, and then you can unpause and try to make the right call. Yeah, that's great advice. Or even, you know, with select that that way you can still see what's happening on the screen. And if, if there is a back careening towards you, um, you can know maybe which way you should walk when you unpause or unselect there. Um, Absolutely. Def- and in fact, that's going to become relevant as we talk about Master Sword strats, which I believe now would be a great time. Yeah. For wow. Could not have asked for a better uh, uh, segment transition there. That was perfect. Um, so, yeah, talk to us about what to do. Let's say, you know, the Temper Sword just never turned up, but we got to beat this thing fast. So um, w- what do we do with uh, Master Sword against Ganon? OK, so the Master Sword segment, this is definitely the hardest situation you can deal with for fighting Ganon because... For one thing, you have to hit him exclusively with spins. You can't do anything with slashes. You'll just bounce off of him without doing damage. So for phase one, uh, things depend on whether or not you're comfortable using the Cane of Samaria or not. Uh, I admittedly am not the most qualified Samaria user when it comes to this. There are people who could definitely teach it a lot better, but I feel okay talking about it. Uh, essentially, there are spots that you can use to set a Samaria block down and get between the block and Ganon. You charge a spin, and then uh, Ganon's going to push you into the Samaria block when you let go of the spin. And if you are holding the opposite direction of your bounce, for example, if you are south of him with a Samaria block to the south, you let go of the spin, and if you hold up with the right timing, 
then you won't pass through the block. And that way you can just sort of keep at this distance and charge more and more spins, and that helps you overcome this. So for phase one, you're not going to get the zero cycle. It's not possible. Uh, but with the right positions of Samaria blocks, uh, you can definitely achieve somewhat low cycle counts. Uh, if you aren't comfortable using Samaria, then what you're going to do is you're going to put that practice to work of learning how to deal with the trident and just make sure you stay out of the way. When Ganon's nearer of walls in the south, you can get below him for double spins. That'll be helpful. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, just take your time, make sure you get your 12 hits, and make sure you're keeping count because you're going to go into Phase 2. Phase 2 with Master Sword is, to me, easily the hardest thing to learn to deal with in this game in terms of Ooh. pure mechanics. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Because now you don't have the benefit of the extra damage. You have to do spins. Having your sword out is going to cause... Uh, you know, just it, you're not going to be as agile. It's it's a whole thing. So phase two, uh, suddenly you have more positions to consider because ideally uh, you might nail some sort of perfect cycle. But one thing you can do if you're newer is get your phase one to 11 hits and then wait for Ganon to be in either the most top left or the most top right positions. Mm. I'm going to include supplemental material, but once again, for the top, we're going to go five, six, seven, eight from left to right. Uh, so if he's at five or eight, then you get in above him and do the 12th spin. If he is at five, you want to be on the exact pixel of the center of his hitbox above him and face north and then charge a sword spin. As soon as phase two starts, you're going to just mindlessly charge spins, let them go as soon as they do. If you're in the right position, you'll do double hits and you can, if everything goes perfectly, get to 10 hits and then you have various options. You can use an invincibility item, you can spam the hook shot, or you can sort of do a combo of this. You can tank damage, whatever you need to do, and then just get uh, the next cycle, get two hits in, and that'll be the end of your phase two. Wow. Um, that's awesome. That's, is, that's, that's a really cool strat. strat. Uh, yeah, I love the idea of uh, choosing your... Um, you know, like choosing the teleport to start phase two on because um, you do sacrifice some time potentially by doing that. But then by being inside of the circle and getting 10 hits in a row, uh, you, you've saved yourself a ton of time, not to mention the danger of phase two. It's shorter now. Uh, so that's really cool. I love that strat. Yeah, um, eight's actually the ideal position. If he's at number eight, you get in, you get that 12th hit, and then you can just wait in the upper right corner. You don't have to be on this exact pixel. Uh, instead, just hold the upper right corner. It'll be completely safe. You won't bounce anywhere at all, and you can once again do the slashes. Additionally, another nice thing about eight is... Uh, if you get the position just right, you can pull out your hookshot and you can actually clip the uh, torch uh, and hookshot outside of the circle so that you can retreat more easily. Mm. Uh, you can't achieve that at position five for whatever reason. It just, okay. because of the way the hitboxes of things are positioned, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so that's Master Sword Phase 1 and Phase 2. Phase Phases 3 and 4 probably pretty straightforward in terms of the same kind of strats, or, or is there anything else we should, we should be thinking about? Uh, before we move on to Phase 3, I do want to touch on one thing. If you get more comfortable with the Samaria strats, and mm-hmm. whatever position that Ganon's going to start with, if it's not 5 or 8 for uh, Phase 2, if you get into where the inside of the circle is going to be, and set a block horizontally opposite Ganon, you'll be safe inside the circle, and you can keep doing the Samaria bounces. This might feel a little slower in a way because it's going to generate lag. However, uh, one, it's faster. Two, it's safer. Uh, There are also what I would like to call the danger positions. If he goes to two or three, Honestly, I would say you can get down, and before the circle appears, you can sometimes get in a hit or two, but it is so hard not to get hit there. So you either get inside the circle at two or three and use Samaria strats, or if you're not comfortable with Samaria strats, get one hit at most and then just wait at the top of the room because those positions are the danger positions. So for phase three, um, I mentioned this much earlier, but chances are he is going to get a fire bat unless you get really lucky with the position because you have to do a spin. So you're not going to be able to walk up to him as quickly. So if you get caught out of position and he does a fire bat, just don't stress it. Uh, If you can get your hit in, that's great. But if not, just wait for your next opportunity and just make sure that you don't take a death or fall off the map if holes have started to appear. Otherwise, it's just going to be the same. You just got to make sure that you are a little more careful with your positioning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then good. phase four is the same. Just make sure that you adjust your magic management if necessary uh, because you're going to have to do 24 correct spins instead of 12. Uh if you are using silvers, you're still going to want to use your silvers, of course, because 24 mm-hmm. spins is real slow. <laughs> but uh, essentially, I find it really hard to adjust. <laughs> yeah, since you have to Herf hit Ganon got on record saying that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's awful. Uh, <laughs> that's really all I can say. I try to avoid Master Sword Silverless. I, I try to avoid Master Sword Ganon, period, because I think, you know, approaching Ganon with just spins is such a weird thing in my head. I, I can never adjust to it. And I think it's just a pain, especially if you're a newer player. You know, if you're uh, a more um, a more established player like Nep or like Dante, you probably don't care as much about it. But it's it's just such a weird difference. And uh, for me, also really hard to, you know, keep an eye out for everything and manage my time correctly to charge my spins and to be in the right position and uh, manage all the resources correctly. I, I eventually end up running out of either magic or hearts. More often than not, it's probably hearts. <laughs> yeah. AKA dying. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So with phase four and silvers, it, it is important. Uh, you can definitely kind of end up getting in the groove of, I'm going to spin Ganon. This means I'm doing silverless hits. And so you go through the muscle memory of doing that. But you have silvers, so you want to use the silver. So you have to make sure that you hit him like you're doing a sword slash, just it has to be a spin instead. It's yeah. also worth keeping in mind that due to the way Ganon is, a lot of the time when you're doing this, you're only going to get single hits in due to the knockback. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... 
still, it's going to be a lot faster than uh, doing your 24 spins. So <laughs> still make sure to use those silvers if you have them and just focus on not tilting and falling off. Now, one thing I do want to cover, we've covered like the vast majority of the mechanics and uh, this is taking quite a while. So I think I'm going to say maybe we don't cover swordless this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, maybe just like if you have any top tricks uh timing kind of things because so essentially the only way this can ever happen is if you're playing a swordless seed specifically uh because otherwise you cannot even damage ganon without a master sword or higher uh but if you have a swordless mode then then uh ganon is damageable with the hammer um and yeah i don't know if you want to just take a minute or two to maybe throw throw a few hints um or, or tips our way i think we have time for that uh yes um in that case, I'll do a quick rundown of uh, Hammer and then talk about some general tips that I feel are going to be uh, more useful to newer players or players who find specific situations difficult. Uh, so good. first off, Hammer strats. Uh, these are only going to come up in Swordless. Hammer's not otherwise going to work in the Ganon fight, but if you are playing Swordless mode, whether it be by choice or because it's a mystery seed or something... Uh, Essentially, the first thing you got to keep in mind is you really want to just know your hammer hitbox, be very comfortable with that. Uh, phase one, you're just going to make sure you don't get whacked by the trident, pick your spots well. Phase two, positions five and eight, those are still going to be just as golden as they were before, except in terms of position eight in particular, you can't hit from the corner because you can't swing the hammer diagonally. So you'll still want to make sure you know that northern pixel point, or you just move down, do a tap left to turn, and then uh, just kind of do that over and over. But you can easily one cycle since the hammer is faster than charging up spins. If you're at positions six or eight, uh, you can actually get on his exact center horizontal pixel and make sure that you're on the side where the fire bat isn't going to be a problem. And if you do that, the knockback will be completely linear. And so you won't have to readjust and you can walk up, get a hit, walk up, get a hit. Ideally, it'll be a little tight. You might take a hit uh, from the fire bats. You can probably afford to tank with just one. Uh, but you should be able to get 12 hits and get a one cycle. From the bottom, everything's a lot scarier. I don't recommend starting uh, phase two in swordless mode on the bottom positions. Not worth it, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, now, for some general tips. Uh, if you're having issues with managing safeties, like if you're really struggling just to clear the fight, whether it be because you're doing Master Sword Silverless for the first time, you have a lot fewer safeties than you're used to, whatever. Uh, as long as you have bottles, one thing you can keep in mind is it's pretty typical to see someone either run away uh, to either go purchase potions, get a fairy from the bonk tree from the south. Uh, if you go down the stairs, there's that tree to the left. You can bonk it with the boots, get a fairy. Uh, if not, there are other places you can get fairies in the world. Uh, but if those things make you comfortable, that's good. But if you find yourself really struggling, uh, I suggest that once you've gotten your safety situation nailed down, if you're just trying to get the clear, drop into the fight, take a death on purpose, pick, save, and continue, then start again fresh. That way, if you use up all your safeties and you find yourself running out of money, um, you can actually 
make sure to pick continue from each death after that instead of save and continue. And that way, it, you don't end up having to grind for cash in the worst case scenario. You can save scum and get your potions back. Hmm. That's smart. Mm -hmm. I always forget about save scumming, especially, uh, you know, at the very end of the game like that. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's not going to be very useful once you find yourself in races where every minute matters. But as you're climbing up and getting used to these different situations, that can be indispensable just to keep your own mental state <laughs> where it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, um, I, I think this is a perfect way to kind of round out the conversation and talk about um just uh, men the mental side of, of things. So we've already talked about kind of knowing your limits going in and, uh, you know, making sure that you have the equipment that you're comfortable with. If you're able to get it, you know, ideally before Ganon's Tower, that's probably the time to go, you know, get your, um, you know, get your potion in your bottle, uh, which is really ideal. Or at the very least, maybe during the Ganon's Tower climb, if you have a net, you know, in, in your bottle, you can pick up a fairy. Being prepared, obviously, is very important. Um, you know, like Neb said, knowing when to go get a safety or a pick me up, you know, in between Ganon deaths, uh, usually sooner rather than later is better for that. Uh, but to open it up to, you know, everyone here on the podcast right now if anyone has any other kind of mental preparation you know anti-tilt kind of advice anything like that that they want to give for Gan, i think that'd be a great way to round out this conversation uh, i actually have a question and i'm wondering if you guys are would agree with this or not but um after listening to nep talk about this for a while now and kind of thinking about it um, I, I get this like distinct feeling. It, it kind of reminds me of for newer players, uh, what the blind fight is in a way. It's uh, not exactly as scripted as the blind fight can be or as it is usually for players who know what they're doing. But um, it's, you know, as Nep said numerous times, it's all about the timing. And it's about knowing, you know, how Ganon is going to react and how, how he's going to move and what's going to happen when and so on and so forth. And uh, the blind fight especially is one of those fights, I feel like, that feels, you know, very daunting and very dangerous and very nerve-wracking for newer players who don't exactly know how to handle it and what to expect. And uh, it can cost you a lot of health and you can get hit a lot, especially when there's two heads floating around firing fireballs at you and stuff. And uh, I think, you know, in a similar vein, uh, once you get a little bit of practice under your belt and do it often enough, uh, it starts feeling more and more comfortable and you, you're you less scared of the things that are, that are going to happen and more, you know, able to react to situations that might arise that might not be your everyday Ganon fight kind of thing. What, uh, what, what do you guys think about that? I'm definitely curious to hear the answer too. I agree with that statement. I mean, you know, Nep did give some good advice that I think is very applicable, uh, you know, not just in phase four, but sometimes in, you know, the entire fight, uh, just, you know, load up the practice hack, you know, with a safe state and just watch like you don't, you know, if, if you're only ever trying to learn Ganon, um, while, or any part of the game while under pressure, then it's going to be really hard to retain anything valuable from it. You know, especially if you're like in the middle of a qualifier. So if you can, you know, change your mindset and just analyze the fight somewhat, 
uh, over and over in different ways, I guess, um, just from a visual aspect, then do that. Like there's no pressure in the practice hack, right? Like unless you're going for a crazy room time or something, you know, for a specific segment, that's the only time there's pressure. So it's, it's a matter of, you know, you can build reps quickly that way just by watching stuff. You could literally, you know, get to phase two, set a save state, and then you can just never hit Ganon and practice that internal bat dodging. Uh, you know, Tim, you even mentioned that was something, you know, it seemed very yeah. daunting. Um, yeah. you know, I, I, I used to think that was super scary and now it's just like, all right, do it and hope it works. You know, a lot of times the, the second half of that sentence with me is hope it works out, but you know, that's, <laughs> I think that's applicable to everybody. <laughs> yeah. So I think we've reached the point in our community where if you have never, uh, loaded up the practice hack and tried to isolate certain things in the game, whether it be glitches or bosses or Ganon or whatever, you can't be mad when you don't do well <laughs> because and not to say that every single person that does well has practiced, but I think it's safe to say the vast majority of them have. And the ones that haven't are probably, they just have that natural skill and, and you know, um, that's, that's a rare thing, but I don't think anyone who hasn't practiced has a right to get salty about not performing well in, in qualifiers. And, and I say that as someone who doesn't practice very much at all, <laughs> you know, like I say that not not just to make, you know, in a way I kind of say that to hopefully make myself and others feel better of like, look, you know, you were excited to try the qualifiers. You got in there. Maybe you didn't do that well. But like, how much did you practice? You know, like it's and that's OK if you didn't practice and, you know, you just can't be that mad if you didn't you didn't do super well. So no matter, I think the hopefully one of the biggest takeaways is it's absolutely worth your time if you care about your game and doing well and playing well to, this is one of those things you should practice. It's absolutely worth your time to yeah. practice Ganon. And there's never been a better time than right now when we have these qualifiers and everyone's going in with green mail. I think this is a perfect time to improve your Ganon. And just to sort of put things in perspective a little bit when it comes to that, uh, Ganon is really just a complex fight, and even if you're practicing a lot, you know, you might find that your improvement with it's a little slow, and that's okay. I mean, we've been talking about the Ganon fight for over an hour here, and we haven't been rambling about nonsense either. It's just a very mechanically complex fight with so much uh, to go on, especially in the randomizer setting where you're not going to have the same equipment loadout every time. Exactly. Right. And even, I mean, even in NMG, the, the vanilla speed run, you know, it's still... You know, it, it, it good runners make it look like it's almost scripted, but it very much is not. Uh, and you just have to become very familiar with, you know, reading the patterns and adapting to it. And I think that happens a lot with a lot of boss fights in Rando, not just the Ganon one. Um, and uh, it, it's kind of a, a quote I, I heard Aerie say uh, talking to NMG uh, or talking to me about NMG. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like once you get to a certain point, um, it is not so much just like riding the rails. It is just reading uh, the the scenario or the like the RNG, so to speak. And then at that point, uh, adapting to it uh, quickly and efficiently. And a lot of times I think that's that, that's just super applicable to Ganon and Rando, I think. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, uh, Nep, thank you so much for coming on and uh, chatting with us about Ganon for the last uh, hour or so. Um, we have a little bit of housekeeping here to do. We have some emails to read and we're going to uh, do a couple of shout outs. Would you like to join us for that? 
Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. All right, let's go. Okay, so we got a couple of emails from some folks. I'm just going to read these out. Um, The first one is from someone named Will, uh, and he starts, Hello, you three, and we'll just go ahead and include Nep in there because he didn't know that there was going to be a guest here. My name is Will, and I enjoy your podcast very much. My experience with Rando is very much as a casual player and watcher. Rarely, if ever, have I streamed, and mostly was to test if my computer was capable. I started watching randomizers back when I was at home taking care of my newborn daughter and would have Twitch on in the background, whether it was ALTTPR, the original Zelda, Free Enterprise, or Final Fantasy randomizer, or something else. It was always comforting to have it on, and it rekindled my love of those games from my childhood. During the pandemic, my son and I my son and I would watch the SMZ3 tournament and it got him into it. He, being five to six years old at the time, would be trying to follow the logic and acting as his own hype commentary. He loves watching ALTTPR seeds, particularly door shuffle ones. We would play SMZ3 seeds on my computer with him doing the Super Metroid parts, which I have no shame in admitting he's better at than me, and me doing the ALTTPR parts. It was a fun experience. Every Even now, while he usually would rather play Breath of the Wild or Super Smash Brothers on his Switch, maybe once every few months, he asked me to fire up a new seed to play. Listening to your podcast has helped keep me interested in following the game and helped me to find new runners to follow. When I can't sleep in the middle of the night, I'll often find a VOD of someone and put it on in the background. I've been backtracking through old podcast episodes and have listened to probably 30 or 40 of them so far. So for a fetch question, fetch quest question with two of you being fellow North Carolinians and being at opposite ends of the state, I want to hear a spirited debate about North Carolina barbecue, especially with Gannon occasionally being called the big pig. Oh, we have so a, uh, a tie into our episode here. Dante, you get to represent Eastern NC. Timp, you get Lexington barbecue and Herf, you get to moderate and decide why Dante is right and Timp is wrong. We'll get to that in a second. I'm going to finish reading this email and then we'll discuss that. I rated you on iTunes this week. I use Overcast for my podcast. I'm not sure if you can rate it, though. I figured I would just sign into iTunes and give you a five star there. It kept showing 55, but I'm trying to be number 56. Thanks again, Will. So quick note on that. We do have 56 now, so I think we got uh, your review. So thank you very much, Will, for that. Uh, and thank you very much for the email. Let's talk about this barbecue thing. Dancy, where do you stand on barbecue? Do you have strong? I imagine you probably have some pretty strong feelings because I know you're very into roasting your own meats. I'm I'm very into doing what you enjoy. However, uh, I love when people say, uh, you know, we, we won't say from where, but they say, man, you know, there's some good barbecue where I live. And then I know where they live. And I'm like, that's not good barbecue. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, and being that Eastern North Carolina barbecue is the best, uh, out of everywhere, as far as that specific uh, type of meat goes, uh, I, you know, I have to agree with Will here and I guess Tim, you're just wrong. Uh, you didn't even get to say anything, but you're wrong. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I, I don't really want to defend Lexington barbecue. It isn't Lexington or the, the kind that he's talking about. There's like mustard based and Eastern is vinegar based. Yeah. Uh, the sauce that kind of yes. goes on it being, um, uh, vinegar based, which, you know, the, the, the mustard base has its, has its time, has its moment. It's, it's good. Yeah. Um, I, it's just not as good if you're going to do like what people call chopped barbecue, not like pulled pork, but like you're chopping it up with that. It's like, it's like perfect. 
Mm. Uh, yeah, I would agree with the vinegar base. There's also like a, um, you know, Herf, you could have got involved because there's a third type of barbecue. I think it's like Alabama based barbecue where it's like mayonnaise based or something like that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're going to put that one on Herf? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the third kind. I mean, hey, I didn't want the Lexington, and that's what I ended up with. I'll, uh, I'll admit, I barely know anything about anything regarding any of this. Like, barbecue, <laughs> when I think of barbecue, I think of, you know, just barbecue. Most of the like time, I think of barbecue sauce, you know, the kind of stuff you get in little containers out of McDonald's with your nuggies. That's mm. what barbecue is to me. And that's I like fair. that sauce. So, barbecue is pretty good. Yeah. As as long as you don't refer to a barbecue as like that party that you have in your backyard and everyone comes over, that is not a barbecue. That's a picnic. Barbecue is pork. Um, okay, so. so barbecue has to be specifically pork. Well, uh, no, no, I guess not necessarily. But I mean, so, the barbecue is the food, so, not not the event. All right, right. yeah. Like if so, Herf, uh, to to clue you into like the Eastern North Carolina thing, it's like if you want to go get food or you're getting food, it's like what are we having for dinner? And you say barbecue. Mm-hmm. In Eastern North Carolina, that means specifically you're basically having chopped pork, uh, in you know with that vinegar sauce and uh, mm-hmm. you know the seasoning. So like around here, that's like I guess the slang that has become the normal like the normal speech. So it's like, we're having barbecue. All right. And then everyone knows it's that specific kind that we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I got that. All right. Yeah. Uh, Nep, do you have any uh, strong feelings about barbecue (laughs) or or like spiced meats in general? Uh, So I got to say, I sort of appreciate all over with that. Uh, I, I used to have a strong preference, but I started just trying more stuff and now I'm just like, it's all good. (laughs) But there's one thing I do have a strong preference about, and that's on the subject of dry brisket versus moist brisket. I actually like the dry brisket. Hmm. Interesting. I I like uh, like a dry rub. The texture really does it for me. It's delicious. Hmm. This is making me hungry. I'm just realizing I'm kind of hungry right now. Just thinking about all this. Uh, yeah, maybe we uh, should like uh, my moderation says as far as I could tell uh, Eastern NC wins uh, oh, yeah. as was decreed by Will's email already so I don't know why we even started talking about it to be honest yeah, well, <laughs> much, much like a public defender I was automatically assigned my side of the case and I don't care if I lose or not yeah <laughs> amazing but, so uh, yeah definitely yeah. thanks for the email yeah, great email. We, we loved, we all kind of got the notification at the same time. We were all like, oh, that's, it's really cool that you play with, uh, um, with, with your kid. That's the, I, I hope I, I can get Nella into it one day. That's awesome. So thanks for the email. We got one more also, a little bit shorter one, uh, from an old friend of the show, Carlson32. Uh, so Carlson32 immediately said not Russian spam because he used the uh, the um, contact form on our website, which is usually uh, solely for Russian spam. So it instantly right made me bat. think it was Russian spam. And I thought the Russians were listening <laughs> to too. the podcast for a moment. <laughs> I, there were a few times where I was doing email inbox maintenance and I nearly deleted this because I saw the words Russian spam at the top of the, <laughs> the body. Uh, so he says, gentlemen, no need to mention my name if you happen to read this in the podcast. But I mean, come on, of course, we're going to shout out Carlson32. Uh, so he goes on to say, 
I just wanted to thank you all for continuing to do this great work and provide a bi-weekly outlet away from life's normal craziness. While I haven't been as active in the community over the last six months, I have listened to every episode and it has given me a way to escape for a bit when I've really needed to. For the past few months, I haven't played very much rando and now I'm finding time to start getting back into it. How would you three or four advise a player on re-entering the fray? Last week, I had to reteach myself Diver Down and Icebreaker, but there's still a lot of rust to shake off. Before my hiatus, I was finding ways to hit sub two, but now I'm consistently 2.30ish while I try to relearn all the tricks. Any advice for someone getting back into the swing of things? And again, that was Carlson32. So, uh, Nep, you were actually uh, saying before we started that um, when you were preparing to do the Ganon walkthrough for Boots Camp last year, that that actually was you kind of coming back from a little bit of a, hi- uh, a hiatus with the game. So I thought you'd be the perfect person to kick us off uh, with some advice here for Carlson32. What did you do to get back into the game when you were prepping for that uh, last year? Uh, well, in my case, by that point, I already had the benefit of a very, very large amount of competitive experience that I could kind mm. of call on. So I, I would say this: sure. sometimes there have been times where I've been in races and I've been watching like TV shows on my off monitor and just kind of watching the game in my peripheral vision because, you know, that's the kind of level of experience that I have. So that's not going to be very helpful, but I still feel like I have a good bit about to say about that. And mm-hmm. that's that one thing you can do is if you have any past VODs where you feel like you did really well, you can look at that and look for what went right. Or uh, you can film yourself, like make an offline recording of yourself playing through a seat and just look through it with a critical eye. What did I do wrong? You know, what's, what's the limits of my skill level in an ideal sense versus what do I feel like is a part where I didn't play up to my best potential at this moment? And if you can identify where those spots are, you can go and practice those particular things, and that'll kind of help the rust come off. Additionally, just being relaxed about it and not overstressing it can also be good, because as you just sort of get in the habit again, eventually it's going to come back to you. That's great advice. Very good. Um, We talked a lot about practicing, what, like five to ten minutes ago, so I'd say that absolutely applies here. Um, there's no shame in busting out the practice hack and just doing a quick rundown of all of the main glitches. It sounds like you did a little bit of that, uh, but definitely, I, you know, I'd say like a quick uh, um, boss rush kind of thing would also be a great way to um, get you back into the game. Um, that's probably about all I would say. You know, I have pretty basic advice, um, but Herf and uh, Dante, do you guys have any thoughts on this topic? I mean, you guys pretty much went over everything that's applicable. Uh, I just think, you know, uh, just very generally, uh, keep playing, keep at it. Don't stress yourself out. As the NEP said, um, you you can't expect to take a break from something and come back in the exact same shape that you were in when you left. Uh, It's, you know, if you have a jog every morning and then you take a break for six months and then you start jogging again, you're probably not going to be, you know, as efficient and as uh, as not out of breath as you were mm-hmm. six months ago before you took the break. So, yeah. you know, just keep keep playing. And as long as you're having fun and keep at it, uh, then you'll, you'll see the improvements and eventually you'll go back down to the two hour time and get even better, probably. Yeah. yeah. Be easy on yourself. I like that. That's I'd good say uh, Herf took my analogy. If you replace jogging with weightlifting uh, and that's <laughs> the, the same thing, uh, anything you do at a high level, um, 
you know, just if you take a significant amount of time off, you can't expect to come in and perform at a high level. Um, my other hobby, you know, being dance games is a, a very prevalent thing with that too. Like if I take a substantial amount of time off, I have to mentally tell myself going in that it's going to be probably not what I want mentally when I first start back. And, uh, same thing applies, I think to, uh, you know, 30 year old super Nintendo game. <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Well, great advice, everyone all around. Uh, and thank you again, Carlson for, for writing into us. Uh, we had also a new iTunes review may or may not have been from Will. It sounds like, uh, but they said quite the find I've been enjoying this podcast for a while now and finally getting around to giving it the five-star rating it deserves. Keep it up. So, uh, thank you to you iTunes user, maybe will, maybe another person, but, uh, if you uh, are enjoying the show, we'd also encourage you to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a fetch question for us, like will or Carson 32, you can use the contact form on our website or you can send it to email at gomodepodcast.com of course we also have a discord we're on twitter um it's it's real easy to find us uh, so just you know google our name you'll probably find a, a bunch of different links uh, of our various profiles uh let's do some quick shout outs um I'll go ahead and go first. Mine's going to be real quick. I just started watching the TV show Severance on Apple Plus. It's extremely cool. It's right up my alley. It's like the the video game control the TV show. It's super cool uh, atmosphere. It's like a mystery sci-fi. There's some weird stuff going on. It's also very funny. Um, so if you have Apple Plus or you can like you know borrow your mom's like I do, <laughs> then uh, check out uh, Severance. It's it's a really good show. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll uh, I'll throw in that this week I have rediscovered an old hobby of Rocket League, um, and uh, it was basically trying out finally the the mobile app on the, the there's like a sideswipe game is what it's called for Rocket League, and I was like, man, this is kind of dumbed down and you know fun. It like the game's fun again, uh, you know, and then you know played it you know, got, got ranked up some and then realized that it's just like the real game where there's no in between. And it goes from you either destroy your opponent or they destroy you. There's no like really for me, at least there's no competitive, like close middle ground. And so I went from having something that was kind of fun to do, uh, killing some time on your phone to, I, I hate this again already. So, uh, that's, that's my <laughs> shout out for the week is uh, a rocket league sideswipe. <laughs> All right. Nice. Uh, Well, last time I shouted out Elden Ring. This time I'm going to shout out Horizon Forbidden West, which I just finished yesterday and 100%ed it. Uh, It was great. And now I'm on to Kirby, which also seems to be a lot of fun. So shout outs to that. More video games. Nice. Sweet. Nep, what about you? What have you been uh, into lately in terms of media or or anything, really? Uh, Well, a lot of the time that I would have been maybe playing rando before uh, since I've sort of retired from being uh, more focused on competition. I have uh, devoted a lot of that time to studying Japanese. I'm not going to try to speak any here. I would just embarrass myself, but um, (laughs) I did recently hit a milestone in one of my resources that I use. Uh, There's a a site resource called Wanikani. It's a subscription resource, but it teaches kanji characters as well as associated vocabulary. Make sure that you review it at specific time frames. Uh, it's just very nicely designed. I like it a lot. And I recently hit the halfway point on that. 
as of a few days ago, I've been at it for almost eight months now. Uh, and if I keep at that pace, it'll be maybe a bit more than a year and a half to get through it all. And I'll have a lot on my plate in terms of like what I've learned that I can use for reading ability and identifying words. And I think that's been very useful to me. Oh, that's awesome. Man, that is so cool. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, I we just, My wife and I just finished watching Love is Blind Japan. And, um, that's another recommendation, I guess it's, it's it was pretty entertaining, but, um, I, you know, I've watched probably a good 10 hours of content and I'm no closer to understanding Japanese than I was when I started because I'm not trying to learn it, you know, and it's just like, wow, maybe I should just, maybe I should just do what you're doing, you know? So I think that's so cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, listener, you have reached the end of another episode of the Go Mode podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, one more time, Sailor Nep, thank you so much for taking some time out to uh, hang out with us, talk about Ganon. And um, yeah, we've really enjoyed having you on. It was a lot of fun to be here, and I'm glad I could be part of this. Thanks so much. Absolutely. All right. And uh, on behalf of our guest and our co-host, uh, Tim and <laughs> I'm Tim, uh, uh, Dante and Herfy Derby, uh, let's go ahead and mirror out. <laughs>